Hello, it's Friday, so welcome to another Scottish Independence podcast. This week we have a very interesting discussion that Yes Sky had held with Ian Stewart, who is a former senior banker and now very active member of the Scottish Currency Group. This was recorded just a couple of days before ScotGov published their paper. We will do a podcast version of the press conference that launched the paper and also some follow-up as to how it's been received in uh, weeks to come. But in the meantime, let's go over to Yeskaya to introduce their event. I asked Ian to join us this evening to tell us about the work of the Scottish Currency Group and his involvement with it from his perspective. I'm the Sky Man in the group, in the Currency Group, and as our local member of Yes Sky and La Halche. Some of you may know Ian, he lives in Uig, and his family connection to Sky goes back to 1840 and probably long before that. He is a Fellow of the Institute of Bankers in Scotland, an award he received in 2004 in recognition of his contribution to the reputation of Scottish banking tradition as the sole UK Director on MasterCard's Global Debit Advisory Board. Ian jokingly often makes the point that, after he retired in 2005, it only took three years for Scottish banks to cock things up. His words, not mine. After uh, retiring, Ian set up his own consultancy company on payments and worked for a number of institutions. The Irish Payment Services Authority in Dublin, Eurocard in Brussels, S2 card services in London. He retired again after the banking crash in 2008 and moved permanently to Sky, where he set up what Ian calls a hobby job as an angling guide and co-authored a very popular and successful walking book, appearing on both TV and radio. Along with his wife Irene, he still works part-time, running a self-catering shepherd's hut. All in all, Ian has never really retired. His lifetime commitment to Scottish independence continues today through his involvement with the Scottish Currency Group. So, over to you, Ian. We look forward to an interesting and no doubt lively event. Thank you. Well, thank you, Carol, for the very complimentary introduction. Uh, thank you all for joining our Zoom call tonight. And special thanks to you, Carol, for inviting me to this online event uh, to explain my involvement in the Scottish Currency Group and what we in, as a group hope to achieve. Uh, before moving on, I'd also uh, like to give special thanks to my wife, Irene, for her patience throughout the many months and years she has supported me on the, my, the independence journey, and she has joined me on that journey. In fact, she says she's been natalized uh, along the, the way. I'm not going to define what money is beyond reminding you that it is basically a means of exchange and a holder of value. To do this, it needs to hold our confidence. And that's the thing I I want you to uh, keep in mind as we go through the the presentation. Money must hold our confidence, the confidence of the population. And it is important for me to make the point that my presentation is my own, not that of the Scottish Currency Group directly, but my interpretation of it, and is called Why Not Scotland? I will specifically focus on what having our own currency could mean to residents of Sky and Lachalsh. The topic does, of course, go well beyond Sky, and we will cover that too. Right, let's set the scene. Why not Scotland? Norway, Denmark, New Zealand, even Little Iceland, all have their own currency, all survived the banking crisis, all survived the COVID pandemic. They all succeeded. 
not because they shared a currency, but because they had their own currency. So why not Scotland indeed? To achieve our goal of independence, we need, firstly and foremostly, before we get to the currency issue, we need a vision and an ambition for what we want an independent Scotland to look like. A vision that takes us beyond the day-to-day. A vision and an ambition that captures the spirit of 2014. That vision and ambition must get the votes out from the disenfranchised, the non-voters, the people who feel that there's no real investment in the political process. That's what I call the silent majority in Scotland. And of course, we saw this in 2014 when Glasgow and Dundee overwhelmingly voted for independence. And we cannot get independence without getting that cohort behind the cause. It's about more than economic theories. It's about hope. A hope based on our collective vision and ambition. Hope for a better future. Hope for our families, children and grandchildren. Hope for our country. A vision of what we could be based on our shared values. In essence, a collective vision of a new Nova Scotia. That is the vision. Let's return to setting the scenes. We've already compared ourselves in Scotland to other similar-sized, smaller nations. We compare compare favourably, but we have a mountain to climb. And I'll illustrate the mountain we have to climb. And to do so, I will use a YouGov poll this year, which outlined three issues which we will address tonight. The first is, this is a poll of voters in Scotland carried out by YouGov. They were asked, which currency will be used in an independent Scotland? That was the first question I want to address tonight. 73% of those polled had no idea. They had no idea what currency an independent Scotland will use. The second point we'll cover tonight was, who will pay the state pension in an independent Scotland? 77% had no idea who will pay their state pension in an independent Scotland. And the third issue we'll cover tonight is, would an independent Scotland have to cut public services? 74% had no idea. So two-thirds of the population of Scotland have no idea what we're actually proposing, and we're asking them to vote for us. So I think you all agree that Scots have not been getting educated on the benefits of independence and particularly of having our own currency. And that's why the Scottish Currency Group exists. As previously mentioned, it's important to record that this is my own presentation, not directly that of the Scottish Currency Group. Carl knew of my involvement and asked me to present as the Sky Local Man. So who are Scottish Currency Group? They're a collection of people who all believe in independence and also agree that the 2014 referendum was lost in large part because of a poorly thought out proposition on currency. Who can forget Alex Salmon floundering when Alistair Darling said, no, you cannot share the pound. It still alarms me to hear that senior party figures say it is our pound too really is an unwise statement to make, and I think we know what's going to happen if they stick to that uh, narrative. The Scottish Currency Group itself was established by Tim Rideout, and it's chaired by Professor Robbie Mochrie. 
We also have Lynn, Lynn Copeland. Lynn maintains our Facebook presence, which is, I think, about 3,500 uh, members. And Lynn deals with all the inquiries and uh, does a great job there as well. So there's about 12 active members. Nine of them have declared themselves in our publication as authors to the, the propositions we put together. Some, some of the members, for career purposes, choose to be anonymous at this stage. Our objective is quite simple, is to influence the currency debate and the Scottish Government. We strongly feel that we need to go beyond the SNP Growth Commission report and present a viable plan for the early, early introduction of a Scottish currency. And we, secondly, we need to educate independent supporting members and candidates across all parties and yes groups for the forthcoming referendum on our plans. What have we delivered so far? Well, we've delivered a, a booklet, a proposal in a booklet, and that booklet is called The Road to the Scottish Currency. It is available from the face, our Facebook page. The second thing we've done is we've had face-to-face -face and Zoom meetings with MPs and MSPs across all parties. Thirdly, Tim Rideout regularly goes and takes a roadshow to uh, SNP, Greens and Alapa uh, branch and Yes groups. And going forward, the fourth thing we want to do is to repeat at meetings like this, because it's important for everybody on the Scottish Currency Group that we get the word out there. So, why not Scotland? Three words. You'll know that the slogan for Brexit was the three words, take back control. Dominic Cummings supposedly believing that more than three words would be too wordy for the masses. The Tories continued the custom, get Brexit done. Starmer's Labour uh, are aping the process, and they now say, make Brexit work. So for me, it's why not Scotland? Why not Scotland and our own currency? So this is a quote from the Cabinet Secretary, uh, Angus Robertson, in reply to Willie Rennie. Scotland will continue to use the pound sterling at the point of independence, establish an independent Scottish currency, as soon as practically possible through a careful, managed and responsible transition when an independent Scottish Parliament chooses to do so. So we in the Scottish Currency Group, we totally sign up to that. Where we do differ is, of course, on timescale. But we believe that timescale is critical to the delivery of a vision and an ambition for our new nation. The Scottish Currency Group, our proposal is an evolution from the Growth Commission recommendations. So it's actually a development beyond the Growth Commission, but we do recommend a shorter transition period, no more than a maximum of three years. Immediately, however, immediately after a yes vote, we recommend that we do a number of things, five key initiatives, in fact. One is immediately after the yes vote, we establish a central bank, we establish a Scottish Treasury, we establish a financial services authority and we commence the design of banknotes and coins. And fifthly, but importantly, we start to engage with the international payment systems and the payment communities. I think that recognises that 95% of payments are now electronic. Visa, MasterCard, SWIFT, uh, various systems like that. So, it's very important, and, and these, these systems cannot just be updated overnight. It's not that simple. So the second key difference between ourselves and the Scottish Currency Group uh, recommendations and the Growth Commission is that there will be no, there should be no pre-published criteria. 
Uh, those of you familiar with the Growth Commission report know that there are six pre-published criteria that the state must be achieved before the Scottish Government will issue our own currency. This, we believe, is a massive strategic error. By stating these, we score an own goal as we are a hostage to fortune and make ourselves wide open unnecessarily to criticism from opponents. Moving to our own currency is a decision to be made by the first independent Scottish government, no one else, and there's no requirement whatsoever to actually uh, publish preconditions or criteria. Uh, I'm pleased to say that earlier this year, a number of branches, including Sky and the Sky branch of the SNP, supported our most recent proposal to go to conference for the early adoption of a Scottish currency and to remove the six criteria. That proposal, in our opinion, addressed the post-Brexit and COVID world not addressed by the Growth Commission, which of course actually predates both Brexit and COVID. It was consistent with previous resolutions passed by conference in 2019 and 2020. Uh, member delegates have consistently supported our proposals, but the leadership have yet to commit, and that is a concern of ourselves in the Scottish Currency Group. So it was disappointing that our proposal was not selected for debate this year, and sadly we, we didn't get our, uh, our place in the sun uh, on the issue this year. The importance of our own currency cannot be overstated. Only that delivers monetary sovereignty. Taxation gives you fiscal sovereignty, and obviously that's very important, but is insufficient to deliver major change or address global shock, like the banking crisis of 2008 or COVID and the current 2020 financial crisis post-Brexit. So I have news for you all that as a currency issuer, there is a magic money tree. Contrary to what Theresa May might say, if you're a currency issuer, there is possibly no magic in the money tree, but there is certainly a money tree because a country that issues its own currency can actually deal with issues by simply printing or creating new money. And that's exactly what the UK has done. It's what the European Central Bank has done. It's what the Fed has done to get the, our countries through the recent pandemics and problems. That's not to say that they, you can print it indefinitely. There are parameters. Those parameters are defined by the productive capability of the nation state. That means the totality of the assets of the state and its capability in using these assets to produce goods that we can sell in the world markets. And let's be clear, Scotland is a rich country. Those old enough may remember the Macron report from the 1970s, hidden by the UK government, both Labour and Tory for decades. It concluded that Scotland would have an embarrassment of riches were it independent. 50 years after that report, not a penny came our way and nothing has changed today. Just to give you a few facts from Scotland, the brief, and I'm sure most of you will be familiar with this, but per person, Scotland produces £17,455 worth of exported wealth annually. That's more than twice the UK figure, which is £8,648. 32% of the UK landmass with only 8% of the population, 62% of offshore maritime area, 95% of crude oil production, 63% of national natural gas production, 
62% of fish landings, 60% of timber production, 25% of Europe's total offshore green energy capacity, 40% of UK's potential tidal power capability, and last but not least, contrary to what you hear uh, incessantly on our media, that the Scottish education system is failing our people, we have the best educated workforce in Europe, with 47% having university or vocational education. So there is no doubt that Scotland is a totally viable independent nation. In terms of the Scottish currency proposal to the population, there is a revelation here. The Scottish currency group do not recommend a compulsion uh, as such. And when I say a compulsion, uh, I mean a state compulsion to adopt the Scottish currency. We believe this is important to avoid the risk of currency flight. The, the adoption of the Scottish pound should, should therefore be voluntary. The Scottish pound itself, it will be sold, not given away. So we're not going to actually say, here's the Scottish pound, go down to the bank and uh, we'll give you £100 Scottish. You will have to buy the Scottish pound. So if you want to have your bank account in Scottish pounds, you'll have to apply to the bank. They will change your uh, account on a £1 for pound basis. And of course, by that process, the Scottish Central Bank, which we've already set up, accumulates significant volumes and values of sterling. Initially sterling, but of course the central bank will convert a significant proportion of that into euros and dollars. We estimate that the reserve fund by that process will be around 50 billion pounds in sterling. The UK has, or had last week, foreign currency reserves of 88 billion I'm not sure how well that's faring given the current crisis, but you can see in the comparison that Scotland will be well provisioned in terms of reserves. Although I said there's no compulsion to actually adopt a Scottish currency, certainly not initially, there will be a conversion day. And that conversion day will be decided by that independent Scottish government. But it will, in our recommendation, will be within a three-year period of independence. After that date, all government and tax payments must be paid in Scottish pounds. This is a sort of carrot and not a stick approach. So that, that will actually force adoption. Anybody who's working for the state will actually be paid in Scottish pounds from that date. And all taxes that you have to pay within Scotland will be actually required to be paid in Scottish pounds. Likewise, the state pension, which the Scottish Government will adopt the responsibility for in our recommendations. There will be nobody paid a state pension from the UK state after independence. The independent Scottish Government will take on that responsibility and from conversion day, state pensions will be paid in Scottish pounds. Dur during the period to conversion day, the Scottish pound will be kept at parity with the sterling and maybe for some months thereafter, either directly on a one-for-one one basis or within a, a margin to that very close to it. The process is not difficult. Many countries have done it, so we know that it's perfectly feasible. Well, you might actually say, well, that's not confusion. Well, we don't think so because people are pretty savvy when it comes to money in their pocket. 
And many, many people will actually retain sterling accounts, certainly initially. As most personal payments are electronic, and if you retain a sterling account, then the conversion will be made by the point of sale terminal. So you can get by with that for quite some time. But of course, you've got to remember that after conversion day, those still using a sterling account in Scotland will pay a conversion uh, commission charge and also a transaction charge because after conversion day, sterling will be like a foreign currency, similar to a euro or a dollar uh, uh, transaction. So again, it's a carrot and stick approach. And as I said earlier, everyone from the conversion date will be required to pay their taxes in Scottish pounds. And there's approximately 50% of wages in Scotland are either paid by local authorities or by the, the government uh, departments. So the, the, these wages will all be paid in Scottish pounds from conversion date. So this process will drive adoption and sterling after conversion day is basically a foreign currency. What about speculation and what about reserves? These are very, very valid uh, concerns. Speculation in our currency, the, the Scot Scottish currency, is unlikely as there simply won't be a great deal in circulation, initially at least. Hedge funds, the Crispin Odie and his friends in the hedge fund business are more likely to speculate on sterling and sell it short as they did on the eve of Brexit, the vote, and also on Friday, the 23rd of September. Uh, the so-called interim budget, Chancellor Quartangi, is a former employee of the uh, Crispin Odie's hedge fund. And uh, so there was a lot of uh, selling, selling short. And that may happen, of course, uh, when Scotland creates its own currency. Um, lack of confidence, I, I go back to the, my first slide in the presentation, we, confidence is a big issue, uh, and that would be a concern, and it's something that will need to be managed. Uh, we would hope that, uh, well, in terms of the, the vote for independence, we are assuming that 60-plus percent of the Scottish population vote for independence. So it's a strong yes movement with, across Scotland, and we'd expect these people to be early adopters of the Scottish currency uh, and very supportive. And it's the Scottish government's job to make sure that the narrative on the issuance of our Scottish currency is a positive narrative, and they need to manage that narrative. And I could possibly suggest, uh, as a starting point, they might want to do some pruning in BBC Scotland, and that could be helpful. Uh, on the reserves front, Scotland will, we estimate, have health reserves of circa £50 billion sterling or equivalent in uh, dollars and euros through the sale of the Scottish pounds. This is, not of, this is net of mortgage and uh, business debt repayments in sterling. Scottish Central Bank will convert much of this to euros and dollars, as I previously stated. Res reserves and a run on the Scottish pound, as the proposal of the Scottish Currency Group is to quickly move within that three-year period to a floating currency, Reserves are actually not necessary because you allow the market to set the exchange rate for the Scottish pound. Although we would still want to have reserves, it's just a, a, any nation state wants to have reserves as a backup. But what we would expect, like the Irish Republic, uh, some of you might recall that the Irish Republic actually pegged its punt, uh, its equivalent of the pound, to sterling for decades. But after it actually delinked the punt from the British pound, the actual Irish punt actually gained value 
against Sterling. And was actually worth more than Sterling. And we, we would expect Scotland with a currency which, well, I know it's not fashionable, but it is a petrol currency because of our oil and gas reserves. Uh, I don't know of any uh, well-managed country which has a petrol currency which, that, where that currency is not strong. And I would imagine that Scotland would be no exception. So why not Scotland indeed? Only with our own currency can we deliver on our vision and ambition, because only with our own currency do we have monetary sovereignty giving us the capability to create money. Fiscal sovereignty through taxation powers only takes us so far and is not far enough. To recap, the key benefits of issuing our own currency are we can finance a fiscal deficit almost indefinitely. We'll actually create the deficit in our own currency. We're not borrowing from. We avoid borrowing in a foreign currency, including sterling. The last thing an independent Scotland wants to do is to actually do its borrowing in a foreign currency. And this is why sterlingisation is a non-starter from the Scottish Currency Group's perspective, because we would end up, if we had a, an example of a, a COVID pandemic, we would end up borrowing billions in sterling. It would cripple our economy. It's absolutely vital that we have our own currency to guard it against that type of scenario. For example, you just need to look at Sri Lanka. That Sri Lanka is bankrupt because its government did most of its borrowing, international borrowing in US dollars. And of course, with the pandemic, they were totally reliant on the tourism industry to make the repayments of that debt. And of course, they, they, they had no income for two and a half years. And that just illustrates the, the, the dangers of borrowing in a foreign currency. So having our own currency, we actually avoid borrowing in a foreign currency. It also gives us the capability of building infrastructure. Just like after the Second World War in the United Kingdom, you've got to think to yourself, you know, the United Kingdom was so indebted after the Second World War. We, we owed so much in dollars to the United States of America in, in war debt, but we still were able to actually have the biggest council house building program uh, that Britain had ever been able to roll out. And that was because that was funded by the, the UK pound. We were issuing our own pound, creating jobs in construction. That money was going into the economy and created its own su supply and demand. So actually, it's critical. There's so much being done in Scotland. Roads, infrastructure, hospitals, affordable housing, all these things, if we have our own currency, we can do and they create jobs. And that the money we pump in to the economy is spent in our own shops. It just enhances everybody's uh, life ex expectations. And we can provide, lastly, we can provide a cradle-to-grave social support system. Again, when we look at pensions in uh, Scotland, the pension is 27% of the average wage in the United Kingdom, the poorest pension in the European Union, second only to Romania. Even the Irish Republic pays 43% of the average wage as the state pension. Now, I would like to hope that if we have our own currency, that we could make a commitment to the pensioners population of Scotland that we'd move very quickly, within three years, to at least the Irish Republic equivalent of 43% of the average wage. Think what a difference that would make to our pensioner community. And remember, in Scotland, the pensioner community is almost a million people, a million people who go out there and vote. 
So it's another cohort that we need to mobilise in support of Scottish independence. And up until now, they have been loath to, to actually uh, support our cause. But very, very important. And here in Sky, when I was asked to say what we could do in Sky, well, we could invite, we could in, increase the social housing expenditure in Sky. We, I know there's so many young people looking for social housing in Sky. With our own currency, we could actually uh, make that happen. We could improve our road systems. We all know the road systems in Sky, but, you know, compared to the volume of traffic that we get in the summer period, is totally inadequate. We need a major road improvement program here in Sky. We could even open Broadford Airport and have it open to scheduled flights, like most of the other islands. I mean, I know of people in Sky who've actually moved to Outer Hebrides because it's easier for them to get the Central Belt or to get back down to England from 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 Sornoway and the. Uh, Lewis than it is from the Isle of Skye because they can get a flight to Glasgow and onward from there. And we can also how about investing in our ferry services? We all know that's necessary. It's a prerequisite for joining the European Union. So this is another issue that we have with the Growth Commission recommendations, which you might remember. The Growth Commission recommends that we share selling for up to 10 years. Up to 10 years. So Bearing in mind that European Union requires you to have your own currency for a minimum of three years, I mean, we'd be going with that proposition to the electorate and saying, well, vote for independence and maybe in 15 years' time we could reapply to join the European Union. You know, it's an absolute non-starter. So the issue for Scotland is not the, the risk from independence, it's the risk from remaining as part of Brexit Britain. With the vision and ambition, we can transform Scotland. I introduced my presentation by using three key words and one phrase. Vision, ambition, hope, and why not Scotland? So I hope my presentation has given you an idea of how we could issue our own currency. It's not difficult. Other countries have done it. I hope it also reassures you that it's not difficult and I've spelled out the advantages from doing so and explained why doing so is critical to a successful outcome in the coming referendum. Our own currency must be central to the forthcoming referendum. Independence without our own currency is not independence. Let's all work together, SNP, ALAPA, Greens and the wider Yes movement and create that vision, create that ambition a new Nova Scotia, as Nicola ended her own conference speech with three words, picking up on the theme we've had throughout, she said, finish the job. And that's what having our own currency, and that's what the recommendations from the Scottish Currency Group will hopefully help us all achieve. And thanks again for listening, and thanks, Carol, for inviting me. Well, thank you very much, Ian, because it's a topic that I do find quite difficult and I certainly know that I'm going to be able to go to street stalls and feel far more confident, de-scarifying everybody's <laughs> thoughts and currency. And, it, and, and the more that we come to events like this, the easier it's going to get for people. And I think we should try and get this out as wide as possible. So thank you. I've got two questions. The first one, with our currency based on a productive capacity, how do we set a simple and unarguable narrative that can be carried to the people? In other words, how do we uh, how do we sell that that we're not going to get uh, taken apart by the, the media as normal? 
Well, I think we just got to stand our ground and actually, you know, bring bring out the points I made in the presentation about the the wealth that underpins the the Scottish economy. I mean, we, we've had decades of being told that we're too poor and uh, we don't have resources. But I mean, the reality is, when you go through the facts, then you know the facts speak for themselves. Where the, the, in terms of the population uh, compared to the resources available to us, it's not a simple narrative. You can't, you certainly can't a- a- answer it in three three simple words. But you do have to keep plugging away and reassuring people that Scotland does have the resources. So I always feel that drawing comparisons with other nation states like Ireland, uh, which has no natural resources really, but uh, but is hugely successful, much more successful as a greater GDP than the United Kingdom per head of population. There's not a simple answer to that question. It's a complex question, but you just have to reassure people. I've got to admit, I absolutely love the presentation, what you've put across and how you've actually did it. But I'm looking at the the big enough, we're big enough, strong enough and rich enough thing. And being able to actually carry that simple set of terms by saying we can print our own money and make it sound like it's not something off a monopoly board is what we're trying to do because yeah. we know fine the media uh Tory media owned is going to actually take us apart in every single thing we do so we've got to be really distinct when we're coming yeah. across with various terms that's what i'm trying to work out how to beat the media the next time yeah it's very difficult to uh, counteract uh, the hostile media like that but you can actually turn that back against themselves because you know the uk has printed billions. I mean, uh, the last time I looked, the UK itself is 2.3 trillion, I think, in debt, which, uh, you know, it's uh, possibly attack is the best defence if you're under pressure from media. And it's certainly something I'd like to see uh, SNP representatives, when they're actually interviewed on TV, having a much more robust uh, response when you get that type of hostile questioning. Could I just quickly jump back to the, the comment from David G, because He's suggesting that as soon as Scotland votes for independence, the pound will collapse and our funds and GB, GBP will become worthless. What's your comment on that? I mean, he's commenting on how fast the pound tanked after the mini-budget. Yeah, I think that's a very good question. And it opens up a whole uh, Pandora's box, really, because, I mean, up until now, up until this last three weeks, and uh, it's always been assumed that the pound's a strong currency and the Scottish pound should therefore try and be pegged to the, the sterling. But it, but it may be the opposite, actually. Uh, and I certainly think that the activities of hedge funds and Crispin Odie and his odious friends, as we call them, uh, will undermine the pound sterling. Uh, any, any hint of us getting independence, and they're going to sell that pound short. So, yeah, they, I did say in my presentation that the Scottish Central Bank will... Uh, while it takes in the sterling from the populace, it will convert as much that fairly quickly into um, a portfolio, which would include US dollars and uh, euros. I noticed that you said, you know, you're advising that we'd not have conditions set up in advance for moving to Scots pounds. And I, I think I can understand why you'd, you'd think that. But I'm also sitting here thinking, would that not be something that unionists would pounce on as a scare factor in the campaign? Yeah, I think they would try to pounce on it, but I don't think they would have any grounds to pounce on it because we wouldn't give them any material facts. We'd just say, as uh, Angus Robertson said, that would be a decision for the the government of an independent Scotland. 
So if, if you keep the answer as short as that, then there is no there is no information available to them to actually make a case from that. Well, it goes back to my, my slogan, why not Scotland? You know, I mean, New Zealand manages fine. The Irish Republic, Denmark, we can just trot off all the very successful small nation states uh, which, who don't have the resources of Scotland. Yeah, we've got a million pensioners in Scotland, of which I am one. Even yet, only about you know thirty six percent of us support independence. Although yeah. that's gone up quite a bit since two thousand and fourteen, but it's not a lot. But we are the ones that go out and vote. I'm just thinking when you talked about people wouldn't be forced into having a Scots pound bank account. Could you just kind of go through step by step, you know, easy step by step. Say you've got a very non-techie, a pensioner who's not convinced about India yet, uh, nope. maybe hears someone saying that you've said this, and then they get a bit kind of scared about, well, what's going to happen to my bank account? And yep. they don't know how to go about it themselves. What what would they actually have to do? Well, after the yes vote, then, of course, banks would be required to actually deal with this for their customers. The, the, the Scottish government would give direction to the commercial banks in Scotland. The commercial banks would have to contact the customer, give them the option to actually open up a Scottish currency account, explain to them that as a state pensioner, their, their pension will be paid in Scottish pounds from the conversion date, with a recommendation that therefore they should actually convert their account to the Scottish currency. and. Because we're keeping parity to the pound sterling, whatever value is in that bank account in pound sterling on the date of conversion, that will be converted to the Scottish pounds on a pound for pound basis. So the bank will take care of that. It's not going to be the Scottish government that's going to deal with that. It's part of the commercial relationship between the bank and the customer. Between yourself and Tim, um, I'm convinced. <laughs> but what, what I'm worried about is I'm not convinced the Scott Gov is. And I'm just looking at uh, Deputy First Minister talking about this economics paper that's coming out. He's still talking about very defined tests. I've also heard one of the MSPs talking about, um, oh, well, the UK will carry on paying your pension as if you were anybody who'd moved to Spain, which, again, different line to the one... Yep. That you're doing how how convinced do you think they are or what what is the gap between yourselves and the scottish government and what might be in that paper very very good question fiona and i wish i knew uh, I'd, I'd have to uh, say i am concerned i'm concerned uh, i have no idea what's in that paper but i have heard these comments uh, in recent days myself we put our thoughts to the Scottish Government, we put the thoughts to the leadership of the SNP in February this year uh, in our booklet, The Road to Scottish Currency. Uh, we had Zoom meetings with a number of MSPs and MPs. I met personally with uh, Ian Blackford. And so these discussions have taken place some months ago. But until I see that paper on Monday, I think it is next week, uh, I am as much in the dark as you are, I'm sorry. The majority of people have got debts and loans, yep. such as mortgages, yep. and those mortgages are with British or international banks and are in sterling. So I think an awful lot of people will, will like to know how what happens with those. How does that get converted or not? Yep. And I think that question, you know, would help people. Yep. That, that, that's a great question, John. I'm glad you've asked, asked it. 
I mean, in a 30-minute presentation, it's not possible to cover all uh, aspects of uh, quite a complex proposition. But the yeah, the, what we envisage in the Scottish Currency Group is the, the Scottish Government passing legislation to actually require, again, uh, banks operating in Scotland with a Scottish banking licence, as all banks actually who choose to continue to trade in Scotland after independence will have to uh, obtain a banking licence from the Scottish Government. Uh, so the Scottish Government will actually pass legislation to require these banks within the period up until the conversion day to offer their customers the option of converting their mortgage or personal loan or credit card balance into Scottish pounds on a one per pound for pound basis. And that legislation will require them to offer the mortgage on the same terms and conditions as it's currently in sterling during and up to the conversion date. After the conversion date, then it becomes a commercial issue for the bank and its customer. So, so in that three-year period, customers in Scotland will have the opportunity to convert to a Scottish currency mortgage or loan at no cost to themselves and on an existing terms and conditions. After that conversion date, then that becomes a commercial proposition with no involvement of the Scottish Government between the actual bank and the customer. And for some customers, they may wish to keep it in sterling because if they work for a UK organisation that continues to pay them in sterling, it might be to their advantage. But we'd expect that most, given that 50% of the wages paid in Scotland come from government or local authorities, we'd expect a large percentage of mortgages to actually convert to Scottish pounds. Their personal loans are less important because typically they're over a short period. So within that three-year period, we would expect a large percentage of personal lending to be repaid through the normal cycle. I see the biggest problem here, and it's already been hit on, is education. Yep. And this has to be sorted out at the national level. We have to get to grips with this because the population don't understand the basics. Now, I'm, I've written a number of uh, documents and papers about uh, macroeconomics. I understand communication very well. I've been in engineering for 40 years throughout the world and had uh, educational colleges in um, six countries throughout the world. So I've got plenty of experience. I would like to join your group. I was actually yep. approached some years ago, uh, yep. but I joined the ALBA party. Um, the Alba Party also have a booklet out, which is called the We Alba Book. Um, it yep. has flaws in it. I don't know whether you've read it, but I've done a critique of that book. Yes. And there are flaws in it. So what do you think, of, from the educational point of view, would be possible to bring it up to national level? This is big stuff. So what are you planning? Well, we're planning meetings like this so we can actually, and it's great to get your input, Neil, and I'm sure the currency group would be very happy to have you on board. Through 
this type of conversation. This is really where we, we see ourselves going, because really we want to create disciples to take this forward. To a large extent, we've been talking among ourselves for 18 months, coming up with our proposals in, in the Road to the Scottish Currency booklet that we've produced and given to MPs, MSPs, etc. But I agree with you, it's been very, very difficult to get engagement from MPs and MSPs. It has surprised me how difficult it is to get them to engage on this issue. You know, bearing in mind how critical it was in 2014, for me, this should be the top of the agenda. Every MSP, and certainly within the Scottish Currency Group, we are more than happy to spend as much time as is necessary to educate uh, the, the, the leadership, because that's really where, I mean, we, it needs leadership. That's what we are trying to achieve. Uh, but we are only a group of a dozen people and uh, we're doing our best. You mentioned a transition period of three yes. years. Yes. Now, is that from the time of the vote to the time of uh, issuing the currency? We would recommend from the time of the vote. And uh, it'd be, as soon as we, we have the vote, we set up the central bank, the treasury, the financial services authority, etc. Lynn is in the Scottish Currency Group as well, so it'd be really interesting to have her input. Just a couple of wee things here. Um, there are actually two two teams at the moment on the Scottish Currency Group, and one of them is our working group, which um, Ian is part of, that wrote the road um, to the Scottish Currency. Um, we decided to set up a campaign team with people who were into graphics and into getting information across to the individuals that uh, maybe obviously targeting. Um, and one of the things that someone brought up was the education aspect. I think it was Neil, Neil Tai, brought up this edu educating people. So most recently what we've done is we have Malcolm Brevo, whom I think you possibly know. Um, we've devised um, a series of talks, um, basically just to um, train facilitators. And these facilitators will go out um, and about the different groups, etc., and pass on that information. And we've had the very first of that series already here in Inverurie in Aberdeenshire, where I live, and it was very successful, um, and it was, it was at a level which most people would understand. So um, we've actually videoed that, and, and Malcolm and I are going to actually have a look at editing it down a wee bit um, and putting it into a format that could be shown to different groups. But another part of the remit of the campaign team is to produce in the literature and the road was um, introduced in July and it was um, launched at the SSRG conference. So we have that already and that's available through the Reserve Bank, the actual hard copy. But there is a PDF which is available and um, free to download. And we decided, you know, with the cost of living crisis, etc., that the bulk of the literature that we produce would all be free to download so that nobody could be, could be denied if, if you know, their, their finances were low or whatever. So, so we've done that, but just, just on um, Monday there, we produced another booklet, which is our Q&A booklet, which is really designed for activists and people with very straightforward answers to all the typical kind of questions um, that you would ask. And I believe it was John White who asked about mortgages and loans. And, and John, there is actually a section within that Q&A booklet, and it's dedicated to mortgages and loans. So you would have got answers simple, straightforward answers to your questions in that section. And there's also the very last section within that Q&A booklet is on pensions. So I think that's worthwhile having a wee look or even joining our group on Facebook, because we actually have um, 
the, the post which Tim put up um, as soon as it was launched on Monday there. Um, we have that to download. So you can actually look for, look at that booklet yourselves. But also, I think I put up an article that's from The National. Right at the very end, there's actually a link to the booklet there as well. And I think it's really worthwhile reading the article first and then looking at the booklet. In addition to that, we've got crib, crib sheets for activists with lots of different questions as well that you may come across, come across when you're knocking doors. Um, and also, within the business of at uh, the moment, producing a series of memes that can be used on social media. Um, and we've got seven of those ready, ready to rock and roll. Um, so we can get that out to people that if you wish to use social media to, to advertise all the different features um, of our Scottish currency plan. So there's that, and there's also, um, we have a pensions person on our campaign team as well, who's producing posters and these posters can be used in hubs, um, on your stands, etc. Different exhibitions can be passed around at a meeting, um, you know, laid about if you've got a coffee morning or something, you could put them on a board for people to look at. And in addition, this week, we've got a meeting um, with our video maker, um, Rob, who is actually going to put all of the information that is in the Q&A onto a video. And we've put um, just a trial one up on the Facebook page um, today as well, so that's there. But we're going to define it a wee bit more and make it a wee bit more, dare I say it, professional looking, because I think we're actually quite professional anyway, but this this would have our logos for our, you know, our Scottish Currency Group and also for the Scottish Reserve Bank on it. We're serious about what we're doing here. Uh, we want people to have this information and we want to have it in every available format we possibly can. Sorry, just to be clear, this is a Facebook page you're talking about. So this, this is a Facebook page, yeah. It's not a website as such. No. The other website that you would need to, to, to get on is one which Tim set up, which is oh, the okay. Scottish Reserve Bank. Um, and again, Tim's got lots of information, explanation and so on in there. And that's where you would go if you wanted to order a hard copy of the first book, The Road um, to the Scottish Currency. As a pensioner, uh, I mean, I do understand that the Scottish Government, independent Scottish Government, would take on all state pension payments. But uh, I'm in the position of having a, a state pension at the moment and also a pension from UK Government. What would, be this, what would be the provision for pensioners who are currently in receipt of uh, either UK government or pension payment from a UK, a remaining UK employer? Would you foresee something in the way of a protection of its value, whatever happened to the, the, the state of the pound against the Scottish pound, etc.? Yeah, good, good question, Sandy. Our thinking really is that if you're working for a, or have a pension from a UK-based company uh, and they're paying you in sterling, then that would continue. It would really be up to your employer or the, the UK government in your case uh, as to whether or not they chose to offer you the option of paying in the Scottish currency. The, the Scottish government couldn't legislate to enforce an organisation in what would then be a foreign country to, to pay a pension in Scottish pounds. But uh, that, that would be an issue for the, whoever originates your pension to make that decision. I think the work the Scottish Currency Group are doing is excellent. And one of the kind of key things is it's normalising the Scottish currency. And I think 2014, it was a weakness in the campaign. 
but it actually could be a massive asset if we actually look at it in a different way and frame it and you know take the, the kind of proactive confident um, view of the Scottish currency as an asset to move forward so I think all the the work that you were talking about Lynn to to educate and inform and and you know, get get that communication out there to people in a way that it's it's understandable and palatable and have thought through the questions because we really do need to think about it like it is happening and here are the steps so I very much like the idea of the kind of roadmap there to let people feel secure and confident that these things have been thought through and it just takes the, you know the fear factor away particularly when you know, we, we've been living through such a period of turmoil from Brexit, austerity, pandemic, um, to our current situation with the, the Tories. And, you know, it's just, it feels chaotic. I think security is absolutely at the heart of the next campaign. People feeling secure from a personal point of view, from an economic point of view, um, food security, job security, national security. And I think the currency is a, is a key part of that. Thanks for that, Alison. Um, it's important, um, I'd say, you know, we're doing all this stuff and producing all these materials. One of the things that we really are very, very keen on is people coming back to us with feedback. It's very, very important that we know that we are, you know, giving the material that is going to be of use to them. There's no point if we're, if we're not doing it right. On the Scottish Currency Group, we'd love to be invited to every Zoom, SNP, Alapa or Green uh, branch meeting uh, for the next 18 months or whatever it takes. You know, we need to mobilise people in the branches and to give them the confidence to be able to go out and speak like, on, on, with similar knowledge to ourselves or close to it. Converting the currency, if you're converting or selling sterling to buy um, euros and dollars and other hard currencies, that of itself is going to develop because of depreciation in the value of those currencies anyway while, while, while you're doing that, particularly if you're looking at 50 billion against the UK and um, 88 billion in reserves. Um, I'm not sure that that's the best way to go about that in the first place. Would it not be better to, we run a trade surplus, our country exports things which are in demand from other countries and paid in dollars, for instance, in petroleum yeah. products. Um, I would also be interested, the UK's got a, bit, a, a big economic problem. It's, a, it's, a, it's the second largest importer in the world after the United States. There is a kind of a bit of a problem that our country is a net exporter and um, getting away from England, we're getting away from a basket case. Um, I'd also be interested in comparisons. I know that the, the East, the Baltic states, when they get away from the Soviet Union, um, I've, I've read some of um, um, Mr. Lawson's stuff about um, uh, Estonia setting up a currency from scratch. And I'm also aware that China had a parallel currency, that they had a, an internal currency and an externally traded currency. Um, Remnimbis were a, a traded hard currency at first. So yeah. I, I'm not sure that just... Um, saying, all oh, right, we're going to change all your money into Scots, uh, uh, English pounds are all going to be traded in for Scots pounds and we're going to go off and buy um, foreign currency reserves. That is necessarily any more, um, not something that's going to be have holes picked in it. Also, the other one I'd like to say is about the pensions. I'm not a pensioner yet, but um, it's a good aspiration to want to have have um, a high, a much higher pensions in, in, in comparison to what the, the British pay. But if you look in the Irish Republic, they run a fiscal surplus. Their country gets quite a, well, not always, but certainly presently, they've got plenty of tax money to spend on pensions and other things. They, they just need to raise the fear in us all over again that we, oh, will we be able to afford to pay these things? No, and we're back to where we started with the comments about the pound in the first place. My conversations with people at the time when this came up, 
and you st Mr. Stewart um, said that right at the outset, a currency is a means of exchange. And when I explained that to people at the outset, it didn't matter if it was Coca-Cola cans or nylons, chocolate bars or Bazooka Joes, as long as the bank takes it in exchange for, or, or Asda takes it in exchange for your messages and the farmers take it off Asda in exchange for the milk, there's not a problem. Once that had been explained to people, they were perfectly happy with it. We bodged this at the time because people have this kind of impression that the money actually matters, that the currency is something of, of, of intrinsic value. And it's not, it's just a concept that doesn't actually exist. But the no. rule that was picked in in 2014 was, oh, you can't use the pound. And that was like, oh, and that became a, a great big issue. But yeah. when when I was talking to people at the time about it as an individual talking to people in a yes campaign, and I found that all you had to do was, it's not a question of trying to get people to be really confident, but they have to just grasp the concept that money doesn't exist. It's just an arbitrary thing that's done so that, that as a means of exchange. It shows that, that all things can be converted to a common standard, that all you know, apples and oranges and your labour and fixing your car and, you know, everything's got a, a kind of convertible standard. So actually what the currency is really doesn't matter. But they won that, they won that um, march on us the last time. Um, yeah. So I'm a wee bit wary when we talk about things like, like giving, you know, 43% of, of, of the wages is going to be the pension rate. Somebody just needs to say, how are you going to finance it? What's the tax base? And we've no idea. We don't know how much the tax base is in Scotland. We've no idea. We know we're on a trade surplus, we think, but we've no idea yeah. what the tax base is. No, these are all very valid points, David. And, you know, it's... Um, but we do have to, if we're going to try and sell the vision on independent Scotland, make commitments. And, uh, you know, I think we've got to got to actually put something on the line there in terms of we're moving to uh, I mean, to actually have a commitment. The SNP already has a commitment in an independent Scotland to, to move pensions to near the European median. To emulate the Irish Republic is very much in keeping with current SNP policy. Uh, we run a trade surplus and net exports, so would it not be better to generate hard currency reserves by converting net inflows from trade. That will happen anyway because uh, petroleum products uh, are actually traded in US dollars. So we, we'd have a net inflow of US dollars and obviously we'd probably keep that element of the reserves in US dollars. So you, Ian, you suggested a currency conversion date. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of different countries actually use a conversion date. So I'm, I'm assuming like every country in the EU when they moved to the, the euro, had their conversion date. So yeah. we're going to have to, again, with that narrative idea, be able to sell uh, specific countries that have been successful with that currency currency conversion date. Yeah. What, what countries are we, we actually looking at there? Yeah, I mean, we'd, the, the ones that we look to are the ones that are closest to us, like the Balkan states, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, Bulgaria, who all has to, had to move their own currencies. The one thing I would say about the former Soviet states, uh, it was a much simpler process for them to move to issue their own currency because their payment systems weren't really uh, particularly well developed, having been former Soviet states. They didn't have banking systems similar to a Western European democracy. Uh, so some of them could move very quickly to their own currency. That's why we would take slightly longer. Uh, I mentioned the, the requirement to deal with payment systems, international payment systems, Visa, MasterCard. Uh, th these these organisations uh, issue every six months they issue bulletins to all their members globally 
instructing them to upgrade their systems and one of the upgrades they would have to push out would be a, an upgrade to include a new currency code for Scottish pounds and uh, th you know that has to be populated throughout the entire Visa MasterCard uh, network throughout the global network and so you know that doesn't happen overnight that would require a lead time and an implement implementation time and that's why we say up to three years. Do we have actually any kind of modern Western countries that's had that conversion date in the past, say, decade or so? Not other than the, the actual former Soviet states. There's been a couple of South African countries that have moved, but I'm not familiar. I know Tim Ryder is very familiar with them. I'm not sure how sophisticated their banking systems were prior to them going to their own currency and moving away from the South African rand. The, the basic process is the same. It's just that in a Western democracy, you have much more sophisticated payment systems. Given what some of us probably expect is going to come in Monday's economic papers, would you see a benefit or even support a independence convention being called with inviting all political parties and independence groups like yourselves, like Commonweal, like Business for Scotland, so we can discuss and iron out these details so we're not got mixed messaging and get beaten down by our opposition and we're all singing from the same hymn sheet on a the strategy and b probably more importantly the campaign and on currency personally i certainly agree uh, i think that would be a very good thing hector in fact i did say in my presentation it's time that we all pull together the LAPA, Greens, SNP, YES movement more generally. I think we do need to come together. We, we, the last thing we need to do is go into a referendum campaign when we're, we're actually uh, talking against each other. And uh, yeah, I'm all for that suggestion. Thank you. What I was going to say, yeah, I totally agree with Ian. And, and with Hector, this is something that we've been actually trying to, to get through um, for a couple of years now as well, is this idea of bringing all parties together um, they're very much the grassroots of the SNP want to do that. They want to, you know, the majority of them do. They want to get together and have a national convention. But with the actual SNP side, we're trying to do an affiliate group on policy. So that's going to be something that's going to be open to all parties and none. So, so you know, there are, you know, be aware that there are people working on this element, Hector, you know, to, to move forward and try and get some sort of, um, you know, a consolidated approach to things. My question really is, is about the polling. How much polling have you done of the population of your thousands or so in connection with all the sort of issues that you've been raising tonight? Is there a lot of feedback from what people think uh, there are according to the ideas that have been coming forth, uh, which I very much support? The polling I referred to was actually by YouGov. Just going back to the, the conversation from earlier, and I take completely the point that you, you can't expect firms based in other countries to fall in with what we want. But I do think that the, the UK civil service is in a different situation because it's got a disproportionate number of Scottish employees and they'll have worked in Scotland all their lives for organisations like DWP. So if we're going to say to them, well, okay, you'll still get paid in sterling, which means you're going to have to pay conversion fees. And if the sterling tanks, you're going to lose a lot of the value of your pension. That's a lot of people to be hacking off. And I think we maybe need to try and come up with a better answer for that group. And it might be that to do with, you know, that the civil service um, unions perhaps might be able to get involved. Civil service pension scheme 
is owned by you know, Scot Scotland has got a claim on that, I would yep. suggest. So it might be that there's something more that they could do in terms of hiving off the Scottish-based ones, say, um, which you'd have a, a lot of support in there. We wouldn't want to lose it over something like that. I think that's a great point, Fiona, and I think we'll take a note of that because, yeah, that's obviously a, a part of the negotiation in the independence negotiations because we are, we are, as a group, committed to taking on responsibilities for state pensions. So why wouldn't we take on the actual pensions of civil servants who have actually worked in Scotland but are on the UK payroll? Seems totally sensible. Thank you. Any, any other questions from anyone? Well, I would just like to thank everybody for uh, committing the evening to come and listen to me talking about my role in the Scottish Currency Group. And of course, Lynn has been here to give the official version. I've been giving the Skyman version. So thank you all very much. Well, I'd like to thank you, Ian, because that was really a really interesting uh, presentation and it was a really good follow-on discussion. So that's this week's podcast from the Scottish Independence Podcast. Hope you found that as interesting as we did. Join us again next week when we'll have our regular Friday podcast. But there is so much going on just now that we're probably going to be having bonus Tuesday episodes as well for at least a couple of weeks. So don't forget to subscribe and you won't miss anything. But if you do, check out our website where you'll see all our podcasts. And that is podcasts.independencelive.net. Thanks for listening. Bye now.